Welcome to episode 21 of Fearless Rebel Radio. This episode is really, really awesome, so I'm excited that you're here to listen to it. I'm interviewing Caitlin Constantine from the blog Fit and Feminist, and we talk all about how women can build confidence, become self-actualized, and move past imposter syndrome in a world where women are so often boiled down to their superficial beings, plus so much more good stuff. We mention a lot of different links uh, and online magazines and things like that in this episode, and you'll be able to find all of those in the show notes at summerinanin.com forward slash FRR dash 21 summerinanin.com forward slash FRR dash 21. That's two one. And don't forget, as always, you can head to my website, summerinanin.com or just throw in summerthenutritionist.com to grab my free Rule Breakers Starter Kit, which includes an ebook uh, with 10 missions to help you break up with the diet mentality and love your body, in addition to the free 10-day body confidence makeover and so many other freebies. All right, let's get started with the show. Do you know where you are? You're in Fearless Rebel Radio, baby! I am your host, Summer Inanin, a certified nutritional practitioner, diet rebel, and food lover on a mission to help you feel hot damn fearless in your body. Fearless Rebel Radio is here to empower you to defy the standards and break the rules in order to radiate confidence, relish in your uniqueness, and live life fearlessly on your own terms. Every episode, I will help you to do this by sharing practical advice, not-so-PG-rated rants, and interviews with fearless rebel guests. Welcome to the show. Hey everybody, I am really, really excited about today's guest. I've been wanting to interview this woman for quite some time, and I am really thrilled that uh, she... um, wanted to also be on the podcast to chat with you. Today's fearless rebel guest is Caitlin Constantine, who you may know from the blog Fit and Feminist. Caitlin Constantine is a writer, runner, and triathlete. She pays her bills by working as a web producer for a local TV news station in the Tampa Bay area, but her true passions are for endurance sports, good writing, and social justice. Her blog Fit and Feminist is where she tries to combine all three. Her writing has appeared in Bitch, Jezebel, and the Huffington Post, and she has been profiled on Ms. Magazine's website. She's also published designs for more than a decade. She hopes to soon write a book, complete an Ironman, and qualify for the Boston Marathon. And she lives in Largo, Florida with her husband, their greyhound, and their two cats. Welcome to the show, Caitlin. Hi, thanks so much for having me on, Summer. Yeah, as I was saying earlier before we started recording that I've just, I've been such a huge fan of Fit and Feminist and, uh, you know, your blog as well as just your Facebook page because you're so active on there posting articles for so long that I, I was saying I was like nervous about asking you to be <laughs> on the show. But I was so excited when you said, sure, that sounds amazing. So uh, welcome. I'm really happy you're here. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. So before we get started, I'd love our listeners to know more about your story and, you know, how you got to where you are today. Um, Okay. My story is, well, there's kind of two parts to it. You know, the first part is, um, you know, I was raised a Mormon in Utah. So I have this very kind of conservative religious 
uh, background, like upbringing. And then uh, when I was about 18, I left the church and I moved into the like the second part of my life where I got married. I got married pretty young and that relationship was not the best relationship. Um, it took me a while to finally come to terms with the fact that it was an emotionally and physically abusive relationship. And uh, I was in that relationship for about nine years. Um, I left when I was 27 and I'm 35 now, so I'm now in like the third phase of my life where I'm kind of just trying to um, become as, I guess, self-actualized as I possibly can. And and uh, for me, a, a big part of that has been embracing athletics, uh, particularly endurance sports, um, going back to college, uh, working on, you know, becoming a better writer, um, all of the just basically trying to become more um, – involved with the passions that I have and trying to become the best person that I can possibly be through those passions. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Were you always an athlete or was that something that was new as you, as you kind of transformed your, your whole life? Um, you know, I w wouldn't have considered myself an athlete, but I did play high school sports. Um, I was on the varsity volleyball team and I played basketball, but the only, Honestly, the only reason why I was on those teams is because I'm tall. I'm, I'm six feet tall. I was six feet tall when I was 14. And any any girl who's tall, you'll know this. Like the coaches, they, they just come up to you and they're like, you need to come play for me. They don't even care. <laughs> they're like, we will just put you in a place on the court and you put your hands up. And, you know, that was how I ended up playing sports. But I never particularly – and as much as I enjoyed them, I never really felt like super involved in them. I wasn't like really into them. Um, I didn't really start to think of myself as an athlete until I was in my late 20s and I took up running and I actually found that I had a little bit of a talent for that and that I really, you know, enjoyed it a lot. Um, so that that's it's not it's kind of like a late forming identity for me, to be honest. It's not something that I've always felt. I was actually really bookish when I was younger. You know, I like to read a lot and I like to hang out in my room and wasn't really all that into sports. Oh, cool. And so why did you decide to start Fit and Feminist? You know, what did you feel was lacking in the world of fitness for women? Um, you know, I decided to start the blog one day. Well, I, I had wanted to start a blog for a while, but I just didn't really know what I wanted to write about. And then one day I was working out in a in um, in a weight room and I noticed the the gender discrepancy that pretty much anyone who's ever been in a gym has noticed where you got all the guys in the free weight section and all the women on the cardio machines. And I was just thinking about this. I was like, this, this is, you know, interesting that this happens because women can benefit from strength training. Men can benefit from cardio. Why do we have this division? And I, I started thinking about it and I started thinking about it particularly in the context of my own life. Um, specifically that abusive marriage that I was in where I experienced the feeling of being very powerless and um, subject and, and very feeling very physically weak and subject to the, you know, being overpowered by somebody else. And when I put the two together, this like personal experience of feeling weak and then this like larger cultural mandate that seemed to keep women from trying to cultivate their physical strength it just kind of all sort of fit together for me and I was like you know what there's something here and I didn't really see anyone else writing about it and I decided that I wanted to really start exploring that and that's kind of what I've been doing for the past three years is exploring um, the way that messages about women's bodies and strength interact with the, the roles that we play in the world. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And so have you know how have you noticed that evolving in terms of, you know, has the portrayal of women in fitness uh, you know, is that going in the right direction or what kind of changes have you noticed over the past few years? Well, something that I've noticed is that CrossFit has become really big. And with that, there's been a lot more women who have been getting into powerlifting and Olympic lifting. And, you know, there's been this um, new ideal of, you know, women with really developed musculature, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and you also are starting to see a lot of um, the rise of, you know, figure competitions and fitness modeling. Um, and one thing that I like about that is that it does showcase this other, you know, idea that a woman can have this, you know, muscular buff body and, you know, still be very beautiful. But on the other end of that, I am feeling like what's happening is that, um, it's just giving us this new ideal to live up to. Uh, and it's impossible for a lot of women. Well, I don't want to say impossible, but how highly difficult, you know, to get that kind of like super developed musculature, especially if you aren't using performance enhancing drugs um, and to get super lean, it requires this like level of dedication. And I personally feel like a lot of people are taking that to uh, an extreme that could be, you know, pretty unhealthy. Um, I spend a lot of time looking at blogs and Instagram accounts just as sort of, you know, grist for my blog mill. And uh, some of the things I see are pretty alarming. You know, you see teenage girls who are, you know, all about their gains. And uh, they're eating out of like plastic baggies all the time and, you know, really into their protein powders and their supplements. And I'm like, you're you're 17 years old. (laughs) So in a way, it's like, it's kind of a new sort of, you know, disordered way of thinking about your bodies. I, I feel like there's some progress. But I also feel like it's you know, there, there's some issues with it as well. It's, it's kind of complicated. I totally agree with you. I think, um, yeah, on, I mean, on one hand it's, you know, it's been a bit empowering for women to, uh, you know, feel like they can like quote unquote, keep up with the boys or whatever by being strong or, you know, have that, that feeling of, of strength and power, but the images associated with it, I feel they're so sexualized in a lot of ways, you know, and it's just like you said, it's just become more of a a shift in terms of what the ideal body looks like versus, Mm -hmm. um, you know, about the strength, you know, I mean, personally, I I would love to see just diversity in the images that they show, because I think when you look at actual Olympic powerlifting women, you know, they, they don't, necessarily look like like that you know they've got they've come in a lot of different shapes and sizes and um that seems to be kind of neglected when you're just looking at social media and you know kind of you know if you're exposing yourself to like fitspiration or a lot of those magazines that you see you know like any of the fitness magazines yeah and then the thing is that that I don't think a lot of people really understand is you know, when you see those fitness models, they are, you know, they're dieted down, they've manipulated their water, they're doing all these tricks to really like lean themselves out. And it's not something that they maintain all the time. But then you get other, you know, girls and women who look at that, and they think that's how I need to look all the time. Well, that's not even how that model looks all the time. So, um, so yeah, I, I really do. I'm with you on that one. I wish that there was more of a diversity in terms of what we saw with regards to you know, fitness and active women and women being strong, because we do run the risk of replacing one ideal with another. Um, And I I just think that the idea of having one specific ideal body type is not 
a healthy way. You know, just because it's muscles as opposed to super thin doesn't necessarily uh, mean it's this huge improvement. Yeah, like I, I, you know, part of me almost thinks it's making us more body obsessed because it's like now instead of just, you know, cutting down your calories and being skinny, you also have to go and work out like an athlete in, right. in, in order to, you know, have like huge muscles. And I think, right. I think a lot of times people get it twisted in their own minds in that they're saying, I'm doing this to be strong, I'm doing this to get gains, but really like hidden, you know, consciously but just underneath the surface is like I'm actually just doing this to be like really low body fat and have right, abs. Right. yeah yeah I totally I, I feel like I see the same thing too it's like it, it becomes like cover for a disordered mindset yeah uh, you know oh no I'm lifting weights I'm healthy I'm in the gym I'm eating you know tilapia and asparagus um so I can't how could I possibly be disordered but it's like you're obsessed with food and exercise and your body to the exclusion of all else. To me, that's disordered because you're not able to, you know, live your life to the fullest. You're like you said, your body becomes like the main focus of your life. Exactly. And you and I, like I, I kind of just emailed you this prior to uh, recording this, but I, I noticed that Sports Illustrated, they had come out with, you know, their top 50 female athletes and um, which I thought, oh, this is really cool. I want to see who they kind of have in there. And looking at it, you can see that they highlighted, you know, their their height and their weight. And when you look at the exact same article based on the men, the 50 male athletes, they rate them on strength and agility and they don't include their height and their weight. And right. yeah, I thought that I saw was that. so messed up. <laughs> yeah. What did you like? What were your kind of, Oh, I totally did a face palm too. And then I, I told my, I told my husband cause he was sitting right next to me. I go, check this out. And we were both like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, like I would be interested in knowing the height and the weight of the male athletes. And I would also like to know the agility and the speed of the female athletes. Like, why is it, you know, the, the discrepancy is so, it's so blatant. I really can't believe that someone at Sports Illustrated thought that was a good idea because it's so blatant. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it is. And it's like, and it, it's like, who, why is that? Why does that matter? You know, I mean, I think for athletes, sometimes weight does come into play. And, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it, you know, to have that as kind of like their profile, it's just, right. it's, it's pointless. And I think it then it still ties this whole like female athlete and, you know, body image and weight together and and you know you just don't have that on the male side of things right the male side of things was totally about performance and the female side of things was like absolutely their dimensions like i want to know what's alice and felix's you know record like what are her personal bests and things i don't you know and i personally do find it interesting to see what you know athletes height and weight are um particularly in triathlon and running because i am so tall it's always nice for me to you know see other um you know, particularly in triathlon, I like to see the other tall women who do it, like Carolyn Stefan. I was really excited to find out that she was 5'10 and like what she weighed because I was like, okay, cool. This is something that I can kind of shoot for. But that's just me as an athlete. Um, in terms of like the larger non, you know, athletic population, I, I really feel like that discrepancy doesn't do anything to really help the cause of female athletes in general, I guess. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it, it, it part and parcel just 
again, like the media kind of controlling the this perception of, you know, the way a body should be and women's ideals. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like I would like to really smack whoever <laughs> came up with those. Seriously. <laughs> because it's just, yeah, it's it's really enraging to see that. Yeah. Although well, I guess again, I don't, <laughs> I don't expect what? much from someone that comes out with like a, a swimsuit edition. So. Oh, <laughs> the swimsuit edition. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't even talk about that one coherently. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. So um, yeah, let's, let's kind of shift gears here and talk about confidence. Cause I know that was something that you were sort of talking about on your blog recently. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, kind of your path to becoming more uh, self-actualized and you you talked about how you recently discovered you know this intrinsic se- sense of of confidence uh, you know how did that come about for you and you know like what does it mean to be confident um well how it came about I mean it's been a bit of a process but for me the biggest thing that has really helped me with my confidence has I mean racing played a big part in that because it was this way for me to test my boundaries um, that was sort of like low risk. Um, I read this, I was reading this book by Paula Newby Frazier, who's this like Iron Man legend. And she makes the point that like nobody gives a fuck about how you do in a race, which is true. I mean, we put all this importance, we as like, you know, runners and triathletes put so much importance on our performance. But the truth is nobody except for us gives a shit. So you are free to go and like take these risks. And if you fail, Oh, well, but it's a good way to kind of build up the confidence without really putting too much at risk. So I I started by, you know, trying racing a little bit. And then I, you know, found that I was capable of, you know, running these longer distances, like a marathon or whatever. And I took that confidence and I started bringing it out to like my career. You know, I would be assigned like a really huge assignment. And instead of being like, oh, no, I don't think I can do this. I, I was like, well, let me give this a try and see what happens with it. And uh, it was just sort of a gradual, you know, process, a lot of little itty baby steps that sort of led me to the point where one day I woke up and I was like, I want to do something that scares the shit out of me. (laughs) And that was when I decided that I wanted to do the ultra. And, uh, and it like it terrified me, but I was so excited about the challenge. And now I find myself sort of in that mindset where if I think about doing something and I want to do it and it scares me, it makes me want to do it all the more because I feel like the rewards are going to be so much greater on the other side, which to me is like a humongous shift because I used to be one of those people that was like very timid and extremely afraid of everything. Um, you know, in large part because I have this history of, you know, of abuse and then plus I had some sexual abuse when I was younger and it all kind of undermined my confidence in myself and made me very uh, afraid of the world around me. So, so to, to be in a place now where I'm like, yeah, bring on those challenges is kind of a, it's kind of a huge thing for me. (laughs) Um, It's not even like the actual act. It's just my mindset. The fact that my mindset is so different really blows me away. And I think that for me, that's what the crux of what it means to be confident is, is the willingness to try. Um, It doesn't mean that I feel like, oh, I can go and do anything, you know, like I, because I can't, there's certain things that I'm just not going to be capable of doing. But I, I feel like I at least can try to do the things that I want to do, you know, do the planning and make the effort and, and give it a try. And to me, that's been the biggest part for me is um, that willingness to try even the things that seem really hard and scary to me, um, which, 
like I said, is um, basically how I would define confidence, at least for myself. I, I think that this is one of those nebulous terms that um, means something different for a lot of people. So, I mean, how does it, how would you define it? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I mean, you're right. I think it, it, it like, I love the way you summed it up in terms of talking about it, giving you, you know, the willingness to try. I, I honestly think that that might be one of the better definitions I've heard recently. But yeah, I think it's just like kind of giving yourself like that, um, like having that like, you know, self-efficacy and believing in yourself um, enough to to, you know, represent yourself and, uh, you know, have respect for yourself and, uh, mm -hmm. to do the things you want to do. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it can kind of take many different forms, but it's really interesting to hear how, you know, athletics were kind of a major catalyst in for your confidence that then translated into the other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that was, it would have been um, kind of pointless for me to develop all of this like inner strength and only be able to use it on like the race course. It's like, I need this to be, you know, useful for the rest of the world because as much as I love racing, it's a really kind of selfish, self-absorbed thing where I'm just out there for my own personal glory and my own personal enjoyment. And as much as I am all about like enjoyment and pleasure in life, I also have a very strong need to be useful and to be what I call a net positive to the larger world, I want, you know, the world to be a better place because I'm in it. And so for me to develop, you know, that inner strength, that confidence, I wanted to be able to bring it out to things aside from athletics. Athletics was just the catalyst that helped me get there. Yeah, I think that's so cool because then, you know, that allows you to kind of like step into your fears and push through challenges and many other areas of your life. And so for, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people who are listening, like they, they lack the confidence to even start, you know, like to even start right. something. So, you know, what can they do to just begin? Like, you know, was there any, or are there any tools or kind of mindset shifts that just, that helped you specifically? You know, I, I thought about this, um, and one of the biggest things that has helped me was being surrounded by positive people and supportive people, people who, who believed in me even when I didn't believe in myself, um, because it, that kind of filled in the gaps for me. Um, I, I think that, and I, I get the feeling that, you know, there's this idea that to be an independent woman, modern woman, you have to be able to like do this all on your own. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just don't think that's the case. You know, I think that, um, I think that, I think that we are kind of evolved and built to be dependent upon each other for, you know, for a variety of things. And in my case, I really have drawn a lot of, um, support and strength from Brian, my husband, my, my second husband, uh, my best friend. Um, you know, there, I, I've also got my sister, uh, my parents, I, I have professional mentors, uh, professors, you know, I've, I've gotten a lot of support from people. And I realize in retrospect that I used that support to kind of to kind of bridge the gap between what I wanted and what I felt like I was capable of doing. And then the second part is just kind of faking it. You know, the saying, fake it till you make it. Yes. <laughs> I feel so cheesy, but that actually worked really well for me too, because it was just like, well, you know, I, I guess I'm just going to try and see, like, I'm just going to put on my journalist hat or I'm going to put on my runner hat or I'm going to put on my whatever hat 
and just go and do it. And then the interesting thing that I found that I've been finding as I get older is that um, most people are pretty much doing that anyways. Yes. <laughs> most people are actually, I read this really great article in the New York Times yesterday written by a woman about like things that she learned uh, when she turned 40 and one of the things that she learned was that everyone is winging it and that is something that I have learned as I've gotten older is that nobody knows what the hell they're doing we're all just kind of fumbling around trying to figure it out the best we can and uh, so it's actually okay to feel like you are have no idea what you're doing because no one else does either that was actually a really liberating thing for me to to understand um and it made me feel okay. It maybe helped me kind of overcome my imposter syndrome a little bit because I'm like, well, it seems like a lot of people have this and a lot of people seem to have their shit together at the same time. So maybe, you know, I'm not doing so bad. Yeah. So you mentioned imposter syndrome and that that was something that you, you know, kind of that you had or that you have. And, you know, t tell me a little, like what is, what is imposter syndrome and, you know, how, like, you know, how do you think our culture enforces imposter syndrome, especially in, like as women? Mm -hmm. um, well, for me, it was always the feeling that I was going to kind of be found out as a fraud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think on my blog post, I wrote that I, you know, I, I had this fear that I was going to be found out that I didn't belong where I was, and that I was going to be sent back to fifth grade. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I actually had this nightmare. I still remember when I w started junior high school, and it's the most ridiculous nightmare. It was the day before I went to seventh grade. And I had this dream that I showed up in the junior high school and they were like, what are you doing here? You, you need to go back to elementary school. And they sent me back to sixth grade and sixth grade was like, you're supposed to be in junior high school. And my dream ended with me like shuffling back and forth between the schools crying. And like that actually kind of stuck with me for a really long time is kind of sad and pathetic as it sounds when I'm saying it out <laughs> loud. <crazy. laughs> But um, it's always that feeling that they, that other people were going to be able to see some like essential lack in me and uh, use that as um, a reason why I shouldn't be in whatever situation I was in. Um, so, I, I mean, I sometimes still have a touch of that, especially when I'm in a new circumstance or a new situation. But it's getting less and less, I think, as I get older, which is good because I really hate feeling that way. It's not a pleasant way to feel. Um, with regards to um, how it's enforced in our society, you know, I'm still trying to figure this out, but I got to say, I, I feel like I see this showing up so much more with women. Um, you know, I don't, I imagine that men might feel it too, but maybe they just don't talk about it because vulnerability in men is really penalized in a way that it's not for women. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, I don't know, is it just me or is it just, does it seem like, you know, a lot of women, like super smart, competent women have a little bit of that going on or have you noticed that at all? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I think, I think women, you know, the, the whole like perfectionism syndrome, which is really kind of a manifestation of imposter syndrome because mm -hmm. you're trying to, you know, seek approval, um, and, and you know and and you know reliance on on others you know you don't fully kind of acknowledge your own success i i see that i mean i work specifically with women so i see it a like a lot and i think that mm -hmm. it's really often like the fundamental thing that's at the root of of like body image issues um specifically because that's what i focus on but uh yeah i mean and, and i think that a lot of that's just driven from you know, having like the male dominated culture and the way that, you know, women are portrayed in the media as like, you know, never being 
never being good enough or mm-hmm. right um, and, and you know and like the different roles that between men and and women um, in our culture which is then kind of enforced in the media and mm-hmm. so I think that that definitely probably permeates more with with women um, I'm sure a lot of men suffer from it too because there's obviously like specific male gender roles as well mm-hmm. that a lot of men kind of feel pressure or don't live up to you know they have to be strong and not show their emotions and whatnot but specifically I think it definitely affects women a lot more mm-hmm. yeah that when you talked about the whole perfectionism thing um, you know is as that applies to women, it's kind of amazing when you see, you know, how women are treated, like high profile women are treated in the media. Um, It's like, there's just always going to be something wrong with her. You get like Hillary Clinton and they're going to talk about how she's got wide hips or she's looking old or, you know, you get like Angelina Jolie and everyone brings up the Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt thing all over, you know, and it's just, there's, there's, and there's just always, you know, some reason for someone to pick apart, you know, a high profile woman. And I think that that does get internalized to a certain degree, whether, you know, we like it or not, especially, um, you know, especially, oh my goodness, if you, I I was reading your 10 rules for um, kind of overcoming your your body image issues. And the part about the celebra trash, I was like, yeah, that's pretty accurate because you look at some of the messages that are just sent out and it's like, this celebrity is too thin and this celebrity is too fat and look at her plastic surgery is too obvious, but she needs to get plastic surgery because she looks old and what's up with her makeup. And it's like, if you are, you know, consuming that kind of media is sort of like an entertainment thing. Those messages are going to, they're going to kind of make their way in to your brain. Um, you know, I think even like, like almost subconsciously, you know, oh, yeah. and then, and then you're bringing those messages around with you while you're trying to conduct your, your daily life. And, and I think that that can be very destructive. Um, yeah. And it's no wonder you don't see like the positives in yourself. It's because you're trained to really pick yourself apart and mm. trained to think that like, you're never good enough. You're never thin right. enough. You're never young enough. You're never pretty enough. Like, you know, and uh, yeah, oh my God, those those things drive me, those entertainment <laughs> things drive me, especially now that I'm so hyper aware of it. Like I, you yeah. know, my husband watches TV with me and he's just like, looks at me and I'm losing my shit over something <laughs> like, because they're like, tonight, Jennifer Aniston's back and <laughs> she's looking oh, hotter right. than ever. And oh, <laughs> I'm just like, oh her, my God. Her revenge body, the best revenge <laughs> yeah. body ever. It's like, oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> Will she have kids? Like, who- oh, it's like who cares yeah (laughs) you know so I think it becomes you know it becomes harder for women to take credit for you know for ourselves and our and our accomplishments and I think that you know we as women can really help each other by giving each other credit for our accomplishments and Mm -hmm. and tooting our own horns and and you know owning owning our accomplishments um you know and being proud of of the things that that we do I mean at least that's you know that's that's how I've kind of uh, frame it up with clients. You know, I'm like the more that you flex like that muscle in your brain, like that ego, we'll call it an ego muscle. That's not your mm-hmm. ego, but just to really focus on like, here's what I have, here's what I do. Um, you know, then you can strengthen that and and you don't have to fight against that muscle that's so strong right now that's saying you're not good enough. Right, right. You know, and it's something to uh, kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, um, I have found, and I'm actually reading, um, do you know Aaron Brown? 
Um, I have heard of of her. Yes. Okay. Okay. She actually just put out this book called As Is, and I'm in the process of reading it. And okay, so cool. far, I think it's really, really fabulous. Um, it's about you know, it's about body acceptance and body image, and she talks a lot about um, how when she was at her most self critical, she was also very critical of other women. Yes. Um, you know, picking them apart, and uh, and I have also found that too. Like when I was at my most insecure, I would pick other women apart. But when I started looking at other women and being like, "Wow, you know, she's really smart," or "Look at how can you know competent she is," or "I think that you know she just kicks so much ass." When I started seeing the positive in other women, it became a lot easier for me to see that positive in myself because maybe I was flexing that like positive ego muscle that you refer to. Um, and I found that, like, I, I found that to be, like, kind of an, almost a, an automatic thing when yeah. I stopped looking at other women as, like, I guess I was maybe looking them at, at them as competition. Like, I needed to knock them down so that I would, you know, kind of rise to the top. Yeah. And which never actually worked out that way. Like, it ended up just, it really just isolated me from other women and kept me from, you know, developing the kind of relationships that I now cherish because almost all of my best relationships are with women these days. Um, but when I started looking at women and being like, oh, man, you all are amazing. I'm so excited to know you and have you as friends and coworkers. It made it a lot easier for me to look at myself and be like, you know, I'm pretty cool, too. You know, not like I'm, you know, some sort of badass or whatever. But, you know, like, you know, I don't suck. And like that has been my issue. You know, a lot of women talk about how they, oh, I hate my body. I hate my, I haven't really had like huge body image issues. But my issues have always been with who I am in my head, like, you know, my brain and how I perform and how I, you know, carry myself in the world. And so it was good to be able to kind of overcome that and be able to say, Hey, you know what? Yeah. You might do some goofy things sometimes and you might be a total dork and sometimes very awkward, but you're at your core, a good person who tries her best and that's worth praising. Yeah. And I think it's cool to be a, a, a dork and, <laughs> and weird and everything else. I praise that. But yeah, no, I mean, you brought up such a good point and it's something that I like really try and, and reinforce is that we can't stop judging ourselves until we stop judging others. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's one of like the first things that I preach to, um, you know, the women that I work with and specifically in my 21 step body image remix is that, you know, stop all that bashing, you know, stop internally and, and, and saying it out loud. Cause the more mm -hmm. that you do that, the more that that just reinforces that negative, um, the negative voice in your own head. Right. And, uh, and it's amazing how much that little thing can change your own, your own internal voice. And it's just oh, a matter yeah. of like censoring it and then trying to celebrate all women's, you know, all women's bodies, all women's accomplishments. And I think it helps to just like take yourself out of, um, like obviously like the media and, and, um, a lot of the negative influences, you know, getting rid of like magazines and friends right. that are constantly talking about their bodies and like any kind of inspiration on, on your social media, like things that just kind of feed that negative voice right. in your head. Yeah. yeah. Things that make you feel bad. Yeah. Like being mindful about the stuff that you consume. Um, you know, going to the, what you were talking about, the negative self-talk, you know, that has been a big thing for me to learn is how to replace negative self-talk with positive self-talk. I actually um, had an example of that happening this last, um, on Sunday, I ran a half marathon and I got to like mile 10 and my brain started doing the, I can't do this anymore. I can't cause my legs were hurting and I was tired. So I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I caught myself. I was like, no, this is how I'm going to end up stopping. Mm -hmm. So what I turned it into was you can do this, you can do this. 
And that made all the difference. Just taking those negative thoughts that were coming into my, cause they're almost like automatic sometimes, you know, yeah. you, it's just who you, you know, it's just part of how we are, but being aware that it's happening and turning it around from, I can't to, I can, or whatever the positive aspect of the situation is, it really, it's almost magical how powerful that can be. I mean, it sounds kind of silly to say it out loud, but in my own life, it has been incredibly powerful. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a huge fan of, of, using you know whatever i call them like affirmations but it really it's just like changing the way you talk to yourself and right it is <laughs> you know and being your own internal internal coach and i think that we're all capable of it i mean it just it's like anything like it does take work it takes pra it's a practice i mean you can't just decide you're going to do it one day and then never do it again it's like sure. gotta be a constant thing that you're bringing awareness to in order to really change Absolutely. Was there anything else that helped you to, uh, you know, move past the imposter syndrome and really, you know, help you to kind of embrace your your own accomplishments and, you know, the things that you that uh, that you do well? Uh, gosh, that's a good question. Oh, I'm gonna have to think about that one. I I, I, I feel, um, you know, I, I do think that actually like accomplishing things and allowing myself to appreciate those things instead of, you know, turning around and being like, Oh, well, this is, you know, the only reason why that happened. Um, you know, being aware of my mind doing that. And honestly, I think that I have a little bit of an edge on this because my husband, Brian, he's a, he's a licensed, well, he's almost a licensed mental health counselor. I, I'm married nice. to a therapist. So, <laughs> nice. And while that sometimes can have its issues, sometimes, you know, like I've told him, like, I just want to bitch about something and I don't want to process it. Let's, let me just complain. But other times, like I would say like 95% of the time, it's actually really helpful because he will sit and like walk me through what I am feeling and why I'm feeling that way. Um, so I think that, yeah, I mean, that's actually been super helpful to like be living with a therapist. That <laughs> might be the biggest um, advantage that I have had with regards to um, overcoming a lot of this stuff. But the thing is, is that I was coming from a pretty low place. Um, you know, he referred to it as a pretty pronounced, like that I had a pretty pronounced lack of self-confidence, yeah. um, which is to be expected from somebody who was in an, a, a relationship with another person who was like undermining me for a decade for like almost my entire adult life. Um, I was down in a pretty big hole. So I guess I needed to pull out the big guns to kind of dig myself out. And I pulled out the big guns in terms of in the form of my husband, who is a therapist. Nice. <laughs> so, That's good. Hey, therapy's good. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I recommend it for everybody. <laughs> you don't need, I don't even think that you have to have like a, you know, a diet, like a diagnosable mental illness to benefit from being able to talk to somebody who's, you know, got like a trained objective voice um, well, you know, because you do something very similar. So yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it's necessary. So I did want to ask you, um, you know, the word feminine seems to, you know, it seems to have like a negative connotation to some people. So I was having this conversation with friends. Um, it was actually like a few months ago, but we were talking about the word feminine, and someone asked if you know if we identify with that word, and I was the only one who said yes. And I said, you know, I thought it represented strength and independence. You know, what do you think it means to be to be feminine? This this is like a question that I have grappled with a lot because I don't know how to answer like what it means to be feminine or what it means to be masculine without resorting to like the stereotypes of what those words mean. Yeah. Um, 
But I mean, I actually do consider myself to be pretty feminine and I wouldn't. Um, and there's a long time where I wouldn't have said that, uh, where I actually actively rejected like what I consider like the trappings of femininity, you know, like exactly long hair and skirts and like makeup. And, but now like I'm super into makeup. Um, I love like getting all dressed up. I really am into cooking and, and what um, I was raised to believe was homemaking, you know, things that are very stereotypically feminine. I'm really, I take a lot of pleasure in them. And uh, that's actually been a relatively new change for me because, and it's I me. Mean, I mean, how do I explain this? So I used to reject it a lot, like femininity, because I associated it with weakness. And I think that's a kind of a common thing. You know, I definitely internalized those um, messages that said that to be a girl is a bad thing. Yeah. And instead of like questioning the message, I was just like, well, if being a girl is a bad thing and a weak thing, I'm going to be like a boy. Um, and then I think that it was also compounded by the fact that I was raised in the the Mormon church, which tends, like I said, tends to be very like traditional and conservative and uh, so I had this like really like strict gender role foisted on me when I was pretty young and I I rebelled really hard against that too Um, and it wasn't until I got older and became comfortable with myself as a strong intelligent independent woman that I started allowing myself to explore this other half of human expression um, like the femininity I guess is what we'll call it and finding that there's a lot of you know, really enjoyable aspects that speak really like powerfully to me. So now like I do consider myself to be a very feminine woman, even though I wouldn't have considered myself to be feminine when I was growing up. Um, but as far as what that means, it's, it's hard to really say with, like I said, without resorting to stereotypes, I'm always interested to hear what other people have to say about it because I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's just interesting to me how a lot of women, you know, like, because I think we've we've sort of been raised in this culture where it is perceived as as being you know weak and small to be feminine or to you mm-hmm. know to not have like independence or power but I think that the reality is is that you know the longer that we kind of identify with it in that regard that sets us back so um I think it's cool to kind of like create your own definition of it and see it mm-hmm. as you know like you know, for me, it's, it's being, you know, it's being strong, it's being independent, it's being like equal, like that's how I sort of view um, the word feminine, feminine. And, you know, and then in terms of like the actions against it, I think it's just really about embracing, you know, and being able to embrace your uniqueness as, as a female in whatever manifestation, whatever manifestation that is. So, um, yeah, no, I just thought, I thought it was really interesting that like a lot of women don't, like they don't want to identify with that word or they don't think they do because they, you know, they either see it as a negative thing or um, they see it as like, you know, June Cleaver, like, right, <laughs> you know, and they're like, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that. I'm not that. So, um, yeah, yeah no, the connotations, the yeah. connotations are really not that great. You know, it's like you're weak and you're soft and you're, you're and you're irrational and you know and I, yeah I can see why people run away from it yeah um, because we really do a good job of demonizing femininity not just in women but also in men exactly um, and uh and which I think is deeply unfortunate because I think that you know we all have aspects of you know in in various proportions we have aspects of strength and you know, emotion and, you know, logic and all of that stuff, it it all shows up in various proportions in all of us. And I think that if 
we would do a lot better to just embrace however we manifest ourselves as human beings as opposed to trying to like crush down the parts of us that don't meet that very strict like gender role. Um, I, not only like do I feel like that's just more like healthier for you as an individual, but I feel like it makes the world a much more interesting place to be in where you have a lot of different you know people who are doing their own thing, got their own thing going on versus you know two different kinds of people and never the twain shall meet. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I did want to ask you, you know, because I know that you're very much into, you know, fitness and whatnot. Are there any good fitness magazines out there that show a diverse portrayal of 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 women? Or are we stuck with these oh, magazines gosh. that make me want to pull my hair out? <laughs> I have actually stopped reading um, like the ones that you get in the grocery stores. Yeah. Because I just I found them to just not really be speaking to who I am. But I will say that um, one that I have found that I really like is Definition for Ladies, which um, it's aimed at like plant-based athletes, which I'm not. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm an omnivore. So, but I do get a lot out of that magazine. Um, mm. I was actually turned on to it by my friend Lacey Davis, who is a health coach and powerlifter. And a vegan, and I actually interviewed her on my blog. And anyways, um, I think that's a really good magazine. It's it's online only, and I think they're gonna maybe start charging for it, which is good because it's a quality product. Um, two other magazines that I really like that are women's centric are I like I like Women's Adventure, which is a quarterly magazine um, that mostly it, it's it's not so much about like lifting weights, but it's like look at all the cool shit that women are doing. Nice. You know, look at the mountains that they're climbing and. And look at, you know, all of this, um, you know, they're paddleboarding around God knows where. And I, I really like that. I find that magazine super inspiring. And then along the same lines as Misadventures, which is also, I think is only online, but I heard something about it possibly going to print as well. Awesome. Um, so there are a couple, but they're definitely the smaller magazines. It's not the bigger ones. The yeah. bigger ones are still, they still do the whole, you know, shredded abs and tricep kickbacks for days and three pound weights and the stuff that I'm just not really interested in anymore these days. Yeah. I saw this, I saw, um, this new one, I think it was called strong and I was like, Oh, and then like I read the, you know, the cover and I was just like, Oh, <laughs> I was oh so no. disappointed. Oh. I'm like, this is not, you know, I would just, I would be one day, you know, if we can just see like a diverse picture of what a strong woman looks like uh, right, on a right. cover of a magazine, that is when I'll know like there is actual fundamental change happening. Yeah. But, um, I'll link to I'll link to all of those magazines that you mentioned in the show notes. Um, I'm excited to check them out myself. That's yeah, that's, they're definitely. Uh, I think they're definitely cool. worth checking out. You know, most of yeah. the stuff that I read these days is more um, sports specific. So I read, you know, like triathlete, and uh, I read. Um, ultra running. I kind of, I love ultra running. That magazine is, it's just, I get so excited whenever I read it. I've only done two ultras, but it's like, I want to go run all the ultras. <laughs> what is it? What is an ultra for people who don't know, including oh, myself? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. An ultra is, uh, it's a running a event that's longer than a marathon. It's usually like, I think that the, the, the shortest is usually like a 50 K, which is about, I think like 31 miles and they can go all the way up to craziness, like 200 miles. Um, a lot of these oh. happen on trails and up in mountains and, uh, it's kind of a little bit of a fringe sport, but it's becoming more mainstream and attracting some really like very high talent people, like a former, um, 
female Olympic marathoner is now like kicking ass all over in ultras. But anyways, it's, it's, um, it's a very cool sport. I, I've gotten a lot out of my two experiences with it. That was like a huge confidence boost for me. I did this one race, um, the keys 50 where you start in marathon and the keys, and then you run along the overseas highway and end in key West. And so it was 50 miles and I did it in like 10 and a half hours. And I can't even like describe the confidence boost (laughs) doing something like that gave me. It was like, well, shit, if I could do this, pretty much everything else seems doable (laughs) after that. Yeah. Cause it was, just ridiculously crazy but then you know there are people who do like 100 mile ones like there was you know a 100 mile race that was going on concurrently at the same time as this one and to me that just blows my mind but you know people do them all the time so wow that's that's, incredible that's that's ultra running I think ultra running is awesome I'm super into it it's not like a thing I can do all the time but I do I am really fascinated by it. That's so cool. So as we wrap things up here, the last question that I like to ask all my guests is, what is the most fearless thing that you've done? The most fearless thing that I have done was leave my first marriage. And I, part of me feels kind of bad because I, I don't, I may, I feel like I make my first husband out to be this horrible human being. But the truth was that that was a really just a terrible situation for me to be in. Um, and I was terrified when I left. I thought that, you know, I read all the statistics that a woman is most likely to be killed when she um, leaves. And I was terrified that, that was what was going to happen to me, but I knew that I needed to go. I knew that I couldn't stay anymore. And uh, so I left. And fortunately, obviously, it never came to that. Um, but still, that was probably the scariest thing that I have ever done and I can't say that it was the most fearless because I was terrified but it was one of those things where I was afraid and yet I did it anyways and to me that's probably more important than being fearless is experiencing the fear and then doing it anyways yeah you're not you're a lot of my guests have said that and that's that's I think you know that's obviously that's kind of what I mean by by fearless is like actually the most fearful thing but uh (laughs) yeah i know that's i mean wow that's pretty intense and and you know good for you and i'm i'm really i'm really glad that you know things have things have seemed to you know really work out in your favor and that you're you know living kind of you know the the life that that you deserve now well thank you i i uh i feel very i feel I feel very blessed every day. I, you know, I know that's kind of a cliche hashtag so blessed, but (laughs) I pretty much, I do wake up every day feeling so grateful for, um, you know, the second chance that I've gotten because, you know, not only was that an abusive relationship, but I was also abusing, you know, drugs as a way of coping. And uh, I don't do that anymore. I actually have a very healthy lifestyle. I, I love my life. I'm excited about the things that, you know, await me about all of the possibilities of life and I really want to do what I can to make sure as many people as possible can experience that as well because I feel like a lot of people don't have that I feel like a lot of people are sort of um, afraid of their lives or they dread their lives or they're just kind of enduring them and uh, I don't know I feel like our lives are this like really precious gift that shouldn't be wasted and I kind of want to do my part to sort of encourage that mindset where we value our lives and we value the lives of others and treat them with the respect that we and they deserve. 
um, that's really all I want to do (laughs) with my life right now is to help people understand that about themselves. Yeah, that's amazing. And so, so like, what's, what's next for you? Um, well, I actually am going to start training to become a guardian ad litem with the state of Florida. And basically what that is, is, um, it's like a, you serve as an advocate for a child that's going through the child welfare system, um, a child who's been removed from their home for, uh, you know, reasons of like neglect or abandonment or abuse. And, uh, you sort of advocate for the child in the system so that they don't get lost. Um, especially down here in Florida, we've had some issues with, um, you know, children going into the system and then just being horrifically abused and sometimes dying. And, uh, if a child has a guardian ad litem assigned to them, it actually increases their likelihood that they have a positive outcome, uh, whether that's being reunited with their families or ending up in a, you know, with an adoptive family. So that's the next thing that I'm doing um, in terms of, you know, we want to talk about like bringing that confidence out into the real world. This is a thing where I think that that's applicable um, because like 10 years ago, I would have been, you know, five years ago, I would have been too afraid to do something like this, but now I'm, I'm ready for that challenge. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and then aside from that, I, I am aiming towards trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And I am also kind of formulating a plan for a book that I would like to write. But I don't want to talk too much about it because I find that whenever I talk about my plans, the steam kind of rushes out of them. So, But it's definitely something that I've got in my head that I'm stewing on right now. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's amazing. Good for you. That's all really, really exciting stuff. And so where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at Fit and Feminist, which is fitandfeminist.com. It's also fitandfeminist.wordpress.com, but the .com domain is probably going to be the best way to find me because I'm going to be transferring everything over to that soon. And you can also find me on Facebook. Uh, Just do a search for Fit and Feminist and uh, like the page. I post a lot of stuff that's not necessarily my blog posts, um, just cool things that I find on the internet, pictures, videos, articles. Um, things that I think might be thought-provoking or interesting. There's a really great community of people who like that page. I mean, every day I'm so blown away by the intelligence and the strength and the sensitivity and the good humor of the people who follow that page. Um, It's another way that I'm like, wow, I'm so freaking blessed (laughs) and so uh, lucky to just have stumbled into this opportunity so yeah if you're listening to this and you you're on Facebook definitely give that page a chance um you know there's a pretty cool community of people on that page right now I would highly agree I think your page is definitely one of my favorite pages to follow you're always posting really really thought-provoking interesting stuff and uh yeah, I, I I love it and funny pictures and stuff sometimes too, which is great. But... <laughs> yeah, I need a little levity. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a good balance. It's it's great. Well, you know, thank you so much for all your candidness, you know, your openness and all your insights. This was this was really really amazing, and I'm excited to you know to share this with with all of my listeners. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Caitlin. And thank you so much. I, I really enjoyed this and I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing more of your podcast and to, you know, getting to know more about what you've been doing because so far what I have seen ever since you reached out to me, I've just been really impressed by what you're doing and I'm really glad that we've been able to make this connection. Oh, cool. Thank you so much and rock on.
If you like what you've heard, please head to iTunes and leave me a review. I would be so grateful if you took two minutes to do that for me. And don't forget to head to summerinandin.com or summerthenutritionist.com to grab your free rule breakers guide to rocking your bod. Until next time, rock on. (laughs) 